Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnolis. I had an amazing game of Missile Command once, just once in my life, and it lasted for over two and a half hours, maybe close to three. I was a young kid, so I wasn't very good at keeping time. It happened in a place that, if you don't come from New Jersey, you probably would call the beach, but we called down the shore. My family would go to boardwalks all throughout the 70s and 80s, and in the 80s, we started going to a place called Point Pleasant, and Point Pleasant has a boardwalk, beach, and on the boardwalk, food and amusement rides, and of course, video games. It was a great time. You get to swim in the water. It gets too hot, you can go into the arcade, play video games. I could usually get a few quarters from my family. I took one of those quarters, went in, and played the most amazing game of Missile Command on a hot August day. I don't remember my score, I just know I did really well. I got home and was bragging on my score. Now, I wasn't prone to lying to my friends, so they were all very excited to see me play this amazing game of Missile Command. Well, my friend had a birthday coming up, and we were going to go to a bowling alley to bowl. But we also knew that at this bowling alley was a missile command game. So I started getting my quarters, although I probably wasn't going to need them because as it turned out, I was one of the best missile command players in the world. But I started saving. Probably about two weeks went by. I probably had about 5 or $6. I went to the party. My mother had bought a gift. I think it was a model of a car. The bowling was a lot of fun, but the real excitement was amongst my immediate friends who were waiting to see me, the most amazing Missile Command player, in action. We went to the back of the smoke-filled bowling alley. I dropped my first quarter in. About two minutes later, I was done with the game. I was like, well, that's a freak. You know, whatever, it happens. Put another quarter in. Maybe I did a little bit better. I just kept feeding quarter after quarter after quarter, and it was almost like a time lapse. I had maybe 10 or 15 kids around me when it started. By the time I had used my last quarter, it was me and one other guy watching me. I did poorly. That Missile Command game down at Point Pleasant was a complete fluke. For two weeks, I was a video game god amongst my friends. From that point on, they didn't trust me in any way when I was talking about my score. Now, it really did happen. I really did do well at that one game of Missile Command. I'm not sure how, though, because... To this day, I'm not very good at Missile Command, although I've tried many, many times to capture that magic. I did learn my lesson, though, and I would get good at other video games. Until you can prove it in front of a large group of people, never brag. Very important lesson in life. Sadly, I had to learn it with many quarters and savings, and probably the respect of most of my close friends. And of course, the shadow of that day at the bowling alley would hover over me for years to come. It would only be forgotten when I got a new group of friends as I got older. On today's show, we're going to talk about Missile Command. We're going to talk about the game's creation, the man who created it. We'll talk about the gameplay in the game. We'll talk about the story behind Missile Command. We'll talk about its reception. We're going to talk about its ports, its sequels. We'll talk about its references in pop culture, kind of a popular game. And we'll talk a little bit about the world record in Missile Command. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show. Missile Command. 
don't like to fight. Here on Zardon we work hard and try to do what's right. We would never be the first ones to stage an attack. But when someone shoots at us, we shoot back. Now the battle has begun. The Krytal ships are near. In just a little while, their missiles will be here. Calling all base commanders with nerves of steel. I hope that you've been practicing, cause this time is for real. Missile command. Missile command. Missile command. Missile command. I've got the power right here in my hand. Missile command, missile command, missile command, missile command. Got to blast them out of the sky, show them no pity. We can do it if we try, cause we've got to save the city. Missile Command is a arcade game from 1980 that was distributed by Atari. And in Europe, if you're a European listening to this, you probably know that Missile Command was licensed by Sega. It's probably one of the most popular games of the early 80s. If you haven't heard of it, you probably didn't play games in the early 80s. You probably haven't played games ever. There's actually a backstory, and we'll get further into the Missile Command backstory. But here's the basic story. Aliens from the planet Krytal are attacking your cities. 
As a commander of a missile base, it is your responsibility to defend them. A variety of enemy weapons and planes will be incoming, trying to destroy the six cities at the bottom of the screen. You need to fire missiles to destroy the incoming weapons. If anything gets through, one of your cities could be destroyed. When all the cities are gone, the game is over. On each level, you have a limited amount of ammo, so make sure most, if not all, of your shots are accurate, or you could run out of ammo and leave your cities at risk. As the levels progress, there are more and more weapons to destroy, which come in at an increasingly faster rate. Pretty awesome, huh? And that's exactly what it is. You take the role of a defender of the cities on the planet Zardon, and with your defensive weaponry, try to intercept missiles before they destroy the cities. Now, those cities weren't always on some distant planet. The idea for Missile Command began when the president of Atari read a story about satellites and passed a clipping of that story on to Lyle Rains. Rains would ask Dave Thurr to lead the effort in creating an arcade game where you used defensive weaponry to defend the cities below you. And originally, those cities would have been in California and They actually were six cities specifically in California, and they were Eureka, San Francisco, San Luis Obispo, Santa Barbara, Los Angeles, and San Diego. Originally, the game was going to be called Armageddon, and the game is cautionary and grim, sort of showing the real dangers of nuclear annihilation. An interesting thing I read, but I haven't been able to find any images of, was that there was supposed to be a large status panel as part of the marquee at the top, which would have indicated the status of your bases and cities, but putting a control panel above where you're supposed to be playing and having players look up all the time is really distracting. But it would have been a really good draw in an arcade seeing that status panel from across the arcade. Kind of interesting. Saturday's Supercade will return after these messages. You mean you have an Atari video game system but not Atari Missile Command? Well, then you must have Defender. Great game. Or a challenge like Star Raiders. What about Yar's Revenge? Well, you gotta have Berserk, right? And Atari Space Invaders, a classic. You don't? Come on. An Atari system without those games? That's like having a stereo with no hit records. This world games from Atari, the number one video computer system with more games than any other. Everyone's gone Atari, the number one video game. And now back to Saturday's Supercade. So a little bit about David Thurr, the game designer. In addition to Missile Command, Thurr also created the game Tempest and iRobot. And iRobot is important because it was the first commercial video game that used 3D polygons. Now, all those games were done when he was working at Atari. He's originally from the Midwest, and he moved out to California and started working in computers, worked at National Semiconductor. After that, he would move over to Atari without an interview. He was well-respected by the person hiring the programmers at the time. David cut his teeth working on four-player soccer for Atari and then would work on Missile Command. Missile Command actually affected him greatly because he would have nightmares about cities being bombed because the imagery in the game, and it might be laughable nowadays, is very evocative. Now here's an interesting little 
fact about David. In 1983, he was driving his car and witnessed a hit-and-run driver. David followed the hit-and-run driver and had him come back. Later, David would be praised for his efforts by the California Highway Patrol. Now let's go straight to the action and find out what it takes to be a part of the Missile Command. Ladies and gentlemen, Defense Minister Gordon will make an opening statement, and we will then take questions. If we could have quiet, we will begin. The following information is rated top secret. You have already passed through security clearance alpha and beta, as well as the retina scan. So by now, you must be aware of the sensitive nature of the material you are about to receive. Let me stress to you one more time, what you will learn today pertains to top priority planetary security and must not be discussed with anyone outside this briefing. Any breach of this pact will be dealt with swiftly and firmly. Is that clear to everyone here today in the Red Room? Yes, sir. Fine. As Zardonian Defense Minister, I have called you men and women together for this most important meeting. As base commanders of the more than 50 anti-ballistic missile sites around the planet, you already know your duties. Each one of you is responsible for the defense and protection of six cities in your area. It has long been Sardonian policy not, I repeat, not to maintain first strike possibility. Our weapons are by design and intention only defensive. But Mr. Defense Minister, uh, please, one at a time. But Mr. Defense Minister, doesn't that leave us vulnerable to enemy attack? Of course not. This is why I have called you here today. Recent intelligence data gathered by our agents, as well as satellite and long-range wave interception, have revealed a disturbing new find. Can you tell us some of the unclassified details, sir? We have good reason to believe that one of our closest neighbors, the planet Krytol, is preparing an attack on our planet. I know this does not come as a surprise to many of you who have long felt that the Krytolians could not be trusted to keep their word in regards to the non-aggression pact, but we in planetary defense felt and continue to feel that a galactic policy of peaceful coexistence could not be conducted from a foundation of mistrust. We had hoped that all planets involved in the pact would take their responsibilities seriously, and indeed most have. But. There is an exception to every rule, and it now appears that Krytol is that exception. But then, the Krytolians have always been an exceptional people. Uh, could you fill us in on some of the details about the enemy, Mr. Minister? Certainly. As you know, Krytol has a much longer history in this galaxy than Zardon. Zardon and her sister planets were made habitable by the Project Exodus, which created the oxygen-rich atmosphere and made life possible on what was once a barren, rocky world. Life was hard for the early settlers on Zardon. Through their hard work, they helped create a green and fertile world for later generations. But sir, any history student knows that. Tell us about the Krytolians themselves. What makes them tick? Krytol is the only originally inhabited planet in this solar system. Life has always been hard on Krytol. Its immense size creates a gravitational pull three times as strong as it is here on Zardon. This burden has weighed heavily on the shape and development of Krytolian civilization. 
Their physical development shows this clearly. Uh, sir, some of us have never seen a Kritolian. What do they look like? Kritolians are short, hardly ever exceeding four feet in height. Uh, Thick-limbed, a thick-skinned people, they have had to struggle since the beginning of time against a hostile environment. With water supplies confined to polar regions, plant life is scarce on their planet. Without ground cover to prevent erosion, the planet developed as a desolate, wind-swept world. Massive dust storms blackened the sky for decades on end. The conditions on the surface of the planet, plus its heavy gravitational pull, made it impossible to build any structure more than several feet high. So the Kritolians became, by necessity, a subterranean civilization. Subterranean? You mean they never go outdoors? Hardly ever. And then only for brief periods of time. Our sociologists think that it was there, deep underground, that the aggressive tendencies of the Kritolian race were born. Overcrowded and faced with constant shortages of food and water, the Kritolian learned to depend on his or her brute strength for survival. They also faced ongoing battles with the other forms of subterranean life especially the fierce rock worms, which can grow as large as 50 feet long. As a result of these and other hardships, the Kritolian civilization never developed past the point of feudalism. To this day, Kritol is still ruled by a council of warlords, each of whom controls a set amount of land. It is much like the planet Earth in the Middle Ages. Up until now, their antisocial behavior has been a problem only to the few scientists and merchants who have had to deal with them. But something has changed, hasn't it, sir? There are rumors of a Kritolian attack. I, uh, I'm afraid that is true. It now appears that the Kritolians have developed their own arsenal of weapons, fashioned after our own, but with one important difference. While our missiles are designed exclusively for defense, the Kritolian weapons seem geared for attack. Ladies and gentlemen, it is with the heaviest of hearts that I must tell you, it now appears that war is at hand. A Kritolian attack is expected any day. As we speak, our ambassador to Kritol is meeting with Jart the 11th, head of the Kritolian Council, in an attempt to avert what would be a tragic war for both our people. Let us pray, each in his or her own way, that he will be successful. If not, we will have to contemplate the unthinkable horror of war. Are you ready to join the Missile Command? So a little bit about the gameplay of Missile Command. The game is played by moving a crosshair across the sky background with a trackball and pressing one of three buttons to launch a missile from the appropriate battery on the screen. Those countermissiles explode upon reaching where the crosshair was and leave a fireball that persists for several seconds and destroys any enemy missiles that come down into it. There are three batteries, each of them with ten missiles. A missile battery becomes useless when all its missiles are fired, or if the battery is destroyed by enemy fire. The central battery is probably the best because its missiles fly the fastest. The game is played on a series of levels that increase in difficulty, with each level containing a set number of incoming enemy weapons. The weapons attack the six cities below. 
as well as the missile batteries. Being struck by an enemy weapon results in destruction of the city or that battery. Enemy weapons are only able to destroy three cities during one level, and a level ends if all the cities are destroyed or when all enemy weaponry is destroyed. Now if you're playing and you run out of missiles, there's nothing you can do but watch the carnage. Devastating. At the conclusion of a level, the player receives bonus points for any remaining cities or unused missiles. Between levels, missile batteries are rebuilt and restocked, but destroyed cities are not rebuilt. At point levels, usually 10 or 12k, a bonus city is awarded, so you can get a city back. The game will eventually end when all your cities have been wiped out. And here's why I was saying that the game is kind of grim, because it has a very famous ending. It doesn't say, game over, like most video games. Instead, it says, the end, which at this point is kind of iconic. Despite what you might have heard on the TV show Chuck, and we'll talk a little bit about that later, there's no kill screen for Missile Command, so the game can continue on. But the game does have an interesting bug. Once you reach 810,000, a large number of cities are awarded, and it's possible to carry on playing for several hours after that. Then on the 255th and 256th yellow screen, as known as the 0x stages, the scoring increases by 256 times the base value. For good players, these two 0x stages could earn over a million points, and this allows players to reach really high scores. At this point, the accelerated rate of gameplay ceases, and it restarts at the original speed of the game, but with your score and any saved cities retained. So you could potentially play the game for hours. The World Marathon record, and there are different settings and different records for those, was set in 1982 by Victor Ali, and that score is 80,364,995. Crazy. Now, I could give you some advice on how to play Missile Command, but I think it wouldn't be very good. You might have heard my story at the beginning of the show. So instead, I'll leave it up to the experts to teach a little bit on how to play Missile Command. Missile Command was the first video game in which the player defended stationary objects, these six cities, by sending up missiles from a non-moving base. The first thing you need to master is how to lead a falling enemy missile with your sight so that you intercept its path. At the beginning of every wave, move your target sight near the top of the screen and try to knock out missiles in the order they appear. If you fire too late, your missile will be late. If you fire too soon, the explosion of your missile won't last long enough to wipe out the enemy. Both these mistakes cost you time and missiles that are desperately needed. Remember, you have only 30 shots to destroy each wave of ICBMs, so use them sparingly. And each unused missile gives you bonus points at the end of the wave. Once you understand how to lead an enemy missile, look for a pair of them whose paths are about to cross, then let go a single missile aimed at their intersection. You'll wipe out both with a single shot, maximizing your firepower. You should know that you can have three shots on screen at a time. Don't stick around to see if your first shot was on target or you'll lose precious time. Move on to the next target without looking back. Obviously, the higher an enemy missile is destroyed, the more time you have to deal with the others. In the later waves, enemy missiles start falling a lot faster, giving you less reaction time. You won't be able to protect all your cities. Don't worry if the outer cities get destroyed. Concentrate on those right next to your base, and protect them and your base at all costs. Watch out for the UFOs. They can appear when you're busy elsewhere, and leave no telltale trails on screen. 
If a missile or a UFO is falling towards an already destroyed city, or a city you don't think you can protect, ignore it entirely. The points you would gain by blowing them up are less than you would gain by conserving your missiles for bonus points at the end of the wave. One last point. You can use the umbrella technique to protect your missile base and the cities to either side by exploding three missiles in a row, here, here, and here, and repeating those three shots as soon as they die out to create an impenetrable mushroom cloud of protection. And don't despair when your last city gets snuffed out. It's not the end of the world yet. If you can wipe out enough missiles and UFOs and gain enough points to put you over a 10,000 point level, you'll get a city rebuilt and the game will continue. If you don't reach that level, you're going to experience humiliation as your entire world blows up. Hope you learned a lot. There will be a test later. So Missile Command was very popular, made a lot of money for Atari. So popular was it that even in the mid-90s, the game was outperforming some contemporary machines in arcades. Of course, this would lead to the game being ported. Firstly, Missile Command was ported to the Atari 2600. And that's kind of where you get the story about the war between the two planets, Zardon and Krytal. The original arcade game that we all played didn't have any reference to these worlds. But I guess the Atari marketing department felt the need to flesh out the story. The Missile Command for Atari, I think, works pretty well with the joystick. I would love to have played it more with the trackball, but the Atari 2600 trackball was not all it could have been. In 1990, Missile Command was ported to the Atari Lynx and Game Boy. It was brought to the Atari Jaguar as Missile Command 3D. In 1999, Hasbro Interactive released it for Microsoft Windows and PlayStation. In 2007, there was a high-def version of Missile Command released for the Xbox Live Arcade. In 2008, Missile Command was released for the iPhone and iPod Touch. Kind of an interesting game to play on the touch screen. Most recently, Missile Command was made available on Microsoft's Game Room service. So if you have an Xbox 360, you could go into the Microsoft game room and play the classic Missile Command again. Now let's return and find out what's happening on the planet Zardon. Will they defeat the Krytolians? Let's find out. Attention crew. As you know, we are on red alert. I repeat, red alert. All personnel should be at their battle stations. We expect the Krytolian attack to begin momentarily. This is not a drill. From the moment the Krytolian missiles enter our radar range, we will have no more than 30 seconds to respond with our anti-ballistic missiles. We will be firing at three, repeat, three different types of weapons. The Krytolian interplanetary ballistic missiles, plus their cruise missiles, both smart and dumb. I do not have to remind you of the importance of skill and accuracy in firing these weapons the very life and fate of the planet, and indeed the whole free universe, depends on stopping the enemy attackers. Good luck. Commander Samuel switched off the inner base communicator and pushed his chair back from the command headquarters weapons console. Before him, in the semi-darkness of the command room, the tracking screens glowed an eerie shade of green, and the missile standby lights flickered in sequence. It was a sight Sam, as his staff called him, had seen hundreds of times before in the battle simulation chamber. He had felt the rumbling of the concrete and alloy-reinforced floor beneath his feet, and the heat of the blast simulators, 
He had tracked and destroyed thousands of attacking missiles, but now all that seemed a thousand light years away. Those had all been practice sessions, and this time the threat was real. If he felt the floor rumble, it would mean that a missile had penetrated Zardonian airspace and scored a hit on one of the six cities under his command. If he felt heat, it would not be from the gigantic arc lamp heaters hidden in the simulator ceiling, but from the deadly glow of a radioactive blast nearby. Any target that appeared on his tracking screen would not be a computer animation, but an actual Krytolian IBM with enough explosive power to wipe out an entire town in a millisecond. Commander Samuels wiped his damp palms across his slacks and looked around the room. They're all here, he thought. The whole crew. On the far side of the command center, studying the readouts of the interfaced radar computers was Jed Morris. Jed had fought alongside Captain Samuels in the battle to free the Manta Ring planetoids from the Gargoyne domination. He was the best in the fleet. If there is a Krytolian missile within five light years of here, Jed will spot it, thought Sam. Beside Jed, at the Missile Coordination and Deployment Board, was Dora Ming. Her fingers flew across the hundreds of buttons and keys at her control with amazing speed. In another age, Dora might have been a beauty queen. Her long black hair and hybrid Asian features gave her an uncanny beauty. But of course, the days when a woman was judged on physical appearance alone had long since passed. Nowadays, they fought alongside the men as equals and in some cases, as superiors. Dora played second fiddle to no one. She was the finest missile deployment officer around, and she knew it. And finally, at the status and communications patch bay was Xenon. From his magnetic anchored position in the situation chair, he controlled the thousands of bits of information that came into the command room every minute. Although his life tech skin gave him a surprisingly human appearance, there was never a human born who could perform the amazing number of functions Xenon could. His silicone and gas chip memory could hold and sort millions of pieces of data and process them for accuracy, security, and priority. When his alpha circuits were engaged, he could switch all incoming data to the beta or gamma inputs. It was like having three separate but interrelating brains online. Captain Samuels envied the cool, efficient way Xenon went about his business. No irrelevant memories to get in the way, no personal attachments. And yet, the android always had a pleasant smile and cheerful hello for everyone. He even liked to play crossword puzzles, a compatibility programming detail that made it even easier to forget that he was only 18 months old and had been assembled at the Defense Technology Plant in New Florida. They're a fine crew, thought Captain Samuels. The best. It's good stuff, huh? So, Missile Command has done really well in pop culture. It's appeared on TV shows like Barney Miller, and most recently on the TV show Chuck. In Chuck, they kind of did a disservice to Missile Command by saying that there is a kill screen in Missile Command. The show's title character, 
Chuck retrieves the code by achieving a score of 2 million points after realizing that there's a mathematical pattern underlying the game and it matches the same pattern that's in Rush's hit Tom Sawyer. Now you could tell the real game geeks in the room because they were probably not paying attention to the plot at that point but were probably yelling at the screen that there's no kill screen in Missile Command. Missile Command appears easily in two movies that come to mind. First is Terminator 2 Judgment Day. John Connor is playing Missile Command in an arcade. A little on the nose, but kind of a neat little reference to his eventual participation in the nuclear holocaust. And it's used very well at the end of Fast Times at Ridgemont High. A beautiful piece of 1980s pop culture embedded into a movie that would become a 1980s classic. Now let's listen to the exciting conclusion of Missile Command. Suddenly, the tense quiet was shattered as Jed spotted a small blue dot sweeping across his radar screen at incredible speed. First one, then another. It was the first wave of Krytolian missiles. Krytolian IBMs approaching through Stargate 19. I see them, Jed. Range 53,000 miles and closing fast. There's no question about it. They're in our target vector, Captain. What about central clearance? Do I have permission to engage the enemy? Then what are we waiting for, guys? Let's go get them. Stand by to deploy the first 10 ABMs, Dora. ABMs ready and holding, Captain. Launch window position. Now. Missiles in firing position, Captain. Auto radar honers locked on target, Sam. The birds are ready to fly. Let's wait for the enemy to linger just a little closer. Let old Jart think he's gonna nail us with the first round. A little psychological warfare. Launch tube temperature critical, Captain. We can't hold them much longer. Range 22,000 miles. They're picking up speed. Come to Papa. Come on. Stonewall them, Xenon. Come on, you little devils. I got a surprise for you. Oh, Jart must be dancing a victory jig by now. Range 12,000 miles. For God's sake, Sam, fire those things. Fire. Now. All birds have left the nest. I've got them up on the screen. And so does Jart, I'll bet. That ought to curl his beard. Uh-oh, we got a problem. Bird 2, guidance malfunction. I think it's going to be off target. We'll know in five seconds. Scheduled impact. Now. We got five of the six. One got through. Range 6,000 miles. Oh, my God, it's headed straight at New Chicago. How long have we got? 12 seconds to impact. Fire, now! The bird's away. Looking good. Come on, baby, come on! Three seconds to impact. Two, one. We got it! Yes! Screens yes! are clear, Captain. We have repelled the first wave. I'll tell him thanks. But it's a little too early for congratulations. That was just the first wave. The battle's not over yet. And Captain Samuels was right. At the Missile Command Center on the planet Krytol, Jart and his war council were huddled, planning their next attack. A thousand Trimolian curses! All of our missiles were destroyed! My lucky shot had they. Next time, their luck run out might eventually 
We will succeed in destroying our target sites. Battle not over yet. Far from over. <laughs> Jart was right. The battle was far from over. All across the wide surface of the planet Zardon, in dozens of missile launch sites, other base commanders besides Captain Samuels were waiting to take up the fight. They watched their radar screens, their fingers poised on the launch button, always on guard, always ready. As base commanders, they had taken a vow to protect and defend the planet and they would fight to their last breath to keep that vow, to keep their home safe from tyrants who would bully their way across the universe. They are the brave men, women, and, oh yes, let's not forget, brave androids of the Missile Command. So as I mentioned, there are two ways of playing Missile Command in which you could score a record. The first is the marathon session, which I mentioned earlier. And the current record holder is Victor Ali with the score of 80,364,995, which was scored on December 23rd, 1982. Now there's another mode of playing Missile Command, and it's in tournament mode. And the record holder for that is Tony Temple, who scored 2,363,895 on March 9, 2006. Tournament mode gives players no bonus cities and is considered to be one of the most difficult ways to play one of the more challenging video games of the golden era of video games. Originally, the record in tournament mode was held by Roy Schilt, who scored 1,695,265 back in 1985. So it took nearly 15 years for that record to be overthrown. Schilt maintains that the settings were slightly different, although if you look at Twin Galaxies for the official record, it's Tony Temple at the top right now. But from what I understand, Schilt and Temple have a bit of a rivalry, and they'll be facing off in some future event. Although there's a guy named Jeffrey Blair who's moved into the second position just this year with a score of 1,874,925. So Missile Command messed with me a little when I was a kid. And I've been chasing it ever since, trying to replay it, trying to get one of those great games. But it's never happened. I've had a couple of decent games, maybe 20 minutes, a half hour, and on Atari I've done even better. But a real true test of these Golden Age games is actually playing it live in an arcade and feeling that that one quarter could last you many hours. It's a great feeling, and although there was some negative stuff that happened afterwards, I wouldn't trade that feeling I had, that invincibility, that amazing accomplishment where I stepped away from the video game really tired and looked outside and it was starting to get dark out. I had taken one quarter and for hours was able to play that game. And that's what really made arcade games special. Those moments when you could excel and feel like you were winning. Now you could just hit reset, but back then you had to put another quarter in. There are still arcades and we still get to do that. It's just not as common as it used to be, and that's a shame. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, drop by the website at www.retroist.com. 
You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist and twitter.com slash retroist. I also decided to sign up for that new dig that they launched, and you can find me at dig.com slash retroist. We'll see how that works out. If you like video games and classic video game console reviews, the Retroist has a game section, and it's all classic retro video games. You can go there and comment or even submit your own reviews. It's at games.retroist.com. If you want to discuss video games with a great group of people, the Retroist Forum is open for business, so why not drop by it at retroist.com forum, share your opinion on Missile Command or any other games you want to talk about. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. is gonna buy it oh no san diego san francisco la i win this has been a retrospective production goodbye